Welcome to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is on helping you, the real estate investor, advance to the next level. And now let's join this week's hosts and share ways for you to customize your life. Victoria, thanks so much for I'm uh, joining me this afternoon. I'm really looking forward to Andrew Chabetta's interview. Oh my uh, gosh, my pleasure! It's the first time that we're having a, a podcast together, Catherine. So that's kind of exciting. And uh, what I've heard about Andrew and the places that he invests, this is definitely going to be an interesting conversation. Absolutely, and you know, most people know him as um, a paralegal who uh, specializes in landlord tenant. And let me tell you, he is awesome with that. And um, there is a lot that is in Ontario and throughout Canada. So the the thing that I believe really in um, makes him as, uh, as successful as he is, is because he's also a real estate investor. But he's not just investing here in Canada or in North America. He's investing in Ethiopia in the Gaza Strip and in South Africa. And I don't think I've really heard of anybody investing in those countries before. I know a lot of investors and I can't I can't think of one. So I'm really interested to find out, you know, what the pros and cons are and how he even got started. Absolutely. And with that, let's get going with the rest of the interview. Okay, welcome everybody. We have Andrew Shibetta here joining us, and I am really interested in learning more about what you are investing in, Andrew. You are a paralegal and you specialize in the landlord-tenant issues in Ontario, but the interesting part with what you do as a real estate investor specifically is that you're investing in Ethiopia, the Gaza Strip, and South Africa. Welcome. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how did you get started in investing? Oh, okay. Well, um, how did I start investing? I got to go way back. Um, I started back in 2015, 2016, somewhere around somewhere there. Not too way back, but just a little bit of time. Uh, so I was working for a real estate company here inside uh, Hamilton. So I was working with Keller Williams Complete just as a, an assistant. and um, I just be perfectly blunt at it. I just saw a lot of people making a lot of money and that was it. And then after that, I went, Oh, okay, what's, what's going on with that? Let's, let's figure what, what they're up to kind of thing. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I dabbled a bit in side flips and ERRs and that type of thing. There was, I always had the benefit of being able to go into those, uh, investment meetings because I was the one that was handling the food. I was the one that was handling the catering and the chairs and making sure everything was perfect. So when everything was, you know, I was staff, right? So I would just listen while everything was going on. And, you know, I've had the benefit of going to 20, 30, 40, 50 different events as, as they were going through the calendar year. And then after that, I went, okay, well, you know, if everyone's doing this and I can see new people trying to get into the investment space, I went, okay, well, now I've got to try to do that as well. Although I will say my investments went a little bit to the right uh, not traditionally where, where some people would necessarily take them. 
but it's been equitable as it as it's gone through so it's been it's been pretty good um and then as as it sort of continued down that road i just met people that were investing inside those areas and then from there things sort of just accelerated and accelerated so i have to ask what areas are these so you mentioned that they're not necessarily the traditional and also what market did you start investing in ethiopia that was the first okay so right off the bat ethiopia and why ethiopia uh, I always say, like, I chalk it up to a, um, let's say, like my family's from Ethiopia. That's like, and I know a lot of people look at that and then just say, oh, well, that's the reason why, right? Like, yo, okay, that makes sense. He, you know, he's looking back there because family's from there. It's a little bit different. It's like, well, that, that's not necessarily the case. I don't speak the language. I've never been there. Like, I, I'm very much Canadian. I was born here. Uh, I like people laugh at me because uh, I can't speak the accent. I can't speak. <laughs> like i i know nothing <laughs> like about the place like, your guess is as good as mine kind of thing right uh but my my mother's uh, uh my mother immigrated here back in 1990 so you know it just seemed sort of you know like everyone sees like oh you know africa is a great place to invest and it's things that you see in a newspaper kind of thing um but actually looking at it as a uh, a hard bargain right and ended up being very very lucrative from nearly everyone that went down there and it's very much a well i know in america there's a lot of people that are looking at uh, africa more and more as a, as a principal place to invest in but for canada it's, it's not really necessarily the case like most people are, are very much shying away but in china it's the complete opposite they're actually over leveraged in ethiopia with a lot mm-hmm. of their investment projects so it's it's basically it's just, it just comes down to a, a cultural thing most people are just hesitant to, to invest in Ethiopia because they're, they're looking at an, a 1992 perception of, of Ethiopia and they, and they see like the famine and the droughts and the political instability and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then even now, you know, Ethiopia still has its issues as it stands, uh, but they're, they're still great investments, right? Because if you're looking at, you know, the main capital city, Addis Ababa, um, your rental prices are pretty much the same as Hamilton. In most wow. Areas. Yeah. Right. right. And then what kind are you doing long term? Is this short term rentals? Long term. Long term rentals. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, as a paralegal, you'll be very uh, well versed in the rules when it comes to Ontario. Can you talk a little bit about any of the differences and the nuances between Ethiopia and, say, Ontario? Yeah. Like it's a, it's a particular thing, right? Because the, the laws are wildly different. Uh, the principles are pretty much the same usually wherever you go kind of thing. Um, but inside, inside Ethiopia, mainly speaking, if, if something doesn't really necessarily work out and you own the property, you just ask people to leave. And then the police eventually will show up as well, right? So it's, it's not, as, not as strict as things are as here, right? The Tenant Protection Act which turned into the RTA right, you know, a few years back. Uh, it's there to protect tenants. Uh, inside Ethiopia, this, that just doesn't necessarily exist because the, the idea of ownership is significantly higher, right? That being said, you don't own land inside Ethiopia, right? You're basically leasing land. It's very similar to like China. Okay. So you have a, you have like a land lease on the property. So, and this is the same principle from a apartment building to a single block to a villa to whatever it is. But the concept people sort of still say like, oh, you, you still own the property kind of thing. Um, and, you know, prices for purchasing a, a new villa, uh, you know, will range anywhere between 200,000 to 700,000, right? They're not very, uh, it's not a bizarre market like uh, you would expect it to be. Like you're not looking at things 
uh, you know, sub $100,000 inside the mid capital city, right? And that's where most people are investing at these days because it's, it's the safest place to, to invest, right? And a lot of people are, are going into gated communities for expats, right? That's a pretty big thing. And Airbnbs and short-term rentals have just skyrocketed in the past couple of years, right? Because you're getting a lot of people who are going down to Ethiopia for not only vacation, which is a great place to go, I'd recommend it if you're planning, but uh, it's also a very large hub for most of the United Nations, right? So because they have their, their offices there. So, and then there's large infrastructure projects and dams that are being built there as of right now. I'm fascinated. Yeah. There's a the huge influx of people that are going down there that need housing. This is, I have so many questions and I, I really want to like deep dive into how you built the team. So do you have boots on the ground? And for somebody who had never been out to Ethiopia before, how did you make those connections? I had to network. That's what it was, right? I had to network. So, and how are you networking in Ethiopia? So, um, I met people here. That's okay. how I did it, right? So I, I met with people here at the Onward community. I met with people here inside the uh, Amada community. Uh, I went to Ethiopian events, and that's where it sort of started from there. Uh, and then, of course, I did have family back there. I have that benefit. Like I have, I have mm-hmm. close relatives that are there. But they don't know much about real estate investing at all, right? Uh, but they were able to, to make connections where, when those were necessary. So people are looking outwards, inwards. Uh, I would say is me a contact that can assist you, a business person in the area that can assist you with getting things done uh, because it was a large learning curve, like as it is with any country where you're, you're investing inside America as it is, you're not going to know the, the nitty gritty of your permits, right? Uh, yeah, even real estate transactions and closing in America are completely different than we have here, right? They have escrow and a bunch of odd, they have title companies, which to this day, I still think is odd. So it's not really done through lawyers. It's like there's lawyers and there's another piece to it. So just learning all these things and how it sort of works is going to be incredibly important for you. So networking, you know, most investors are pretty good with that. And, and the good thing is, is that Ethiopia has a, a very vibrant community of business owners, right? And a lot of them are, are not just from Canada, but coming from France, or, you know, Argentina, and like I said, inside uh, China as well. It's a lot of Chinese investors. If you actually go to certain areas in Ethiopia, they call it like Little China, all of the, all the apartment blocks are the exact same buildings they're building in Beijing. So they've just printed the same thing over and over and over and over again. Um, and, and those properties are still going for a regular rate of what an apartment would most people expect inside Canada. So you're going at 119, 150 Canadian. So, you know, actually getting, you know, and, and, and there's still a lot of property management companies that are aware of investors and overseas investors, and they're catering, catering to people that speak Mandarin, but they also speak English as well. So that's what I ended up just having a referral over to. And I hired a property management company that does 200, 600 units in Odisaba. And then they were just ended up sort of running over. It's such a um, good idea to start to immerse yourself into the community, especially in anything that's available here. I also do long distance investing in Nova Scotia. And I used to live in Nova Scotia, so I was able to already have that connection to the community. But it definitely is for anybody who's listening who is interested in investing outside of their geographical area to go and make those connections to figure out what the nuances are for those locations and connect with the locals themselves to get that support. Yeah, and, and not only that, it's like, like, you, like the big thing I would just say is just talk to the, the Ethiopian embassy because they're great. They'll give you a bunch of information. Oh, um, that's, no. 
like they, they have a lot of investment packages for for uh, for Canadian investors. Like what I did was I didn't know, so I was very ignorant to it. So I just called them and I just said, "Hey, I wanted to invest inside Ethiopia. What do I need to know?" And they just sent me an email like within an hour. Like here you go, here's your full package. You want to look at real estate, you want to look at agriculture, you want to look at industry, you want to look at whatever it is, right? And big thing I'll say with investors and like where the gold mine is is building, because mm. that cost of labor is low, 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 low. But like I said, those rental rates are high. So anyone that comes in just to build anything, it's, it's making a ton of money. It's it's pretty goofy, right? Like you can you can build an entire house for twenty thousand. 30,000. You can build a luxury villa for 50 or 60. Oh my right? so goodness. You're taking like you're building your building cost at an apartment building, right? I would say like cut it in half. That's probably what you're actually looking at. And then in material cost, you take it to like one third. But like on the ground, if you're actually managing the construction, it's, it's dirt cheap, right? It has the lowest labor cost inside most of, uh, most of Africa and surrounding areas. Right, so the minimum wage is very low. Uh, not only that, the the government is very, very much happy with taking your investment, and they'll guarantee a lot of things. Right, so like the big thing I was telling uh, Catherine was, you know, when at, at the time when I was investing and I was looking at the documents, if you had brought, you know, five hundred thousand to the table, the government would guarantee the loan back. Right. So the government is open to foreign investors, and they welcome foreign investors. Yeah, very much so, and for with a with a large financial benefit, right? So, let's say you're bringing five hundred thousand to the table, right? At the time, this program, I don't know if I I won't know as of right now if the 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 program's still available, so I have to put an asterisk on this. But this was back in 2018, 2019. So what they would do is, if you brought five hundred thousand to the table, and you're let's say building a project in Addis Ababa, whatever it may be, and you had your planning and and all that sort of stuff sort of completed out, uh, the government would provide you with an additional 500,000, right? And then they would guarantee your $500,000 investment returned back to you. Guarantee it. Wow. Yeah. Just because here's the thing. Done. And then they absolutely kill you with taxes. But, you know, all all that that, that is done. But you put your money's tied up. And, you know, how it goes is you do it once. What do investors want to do? They want to do it again and again and again. Just just repeat and rinse, right? And then they start looking, oh, okay, well, manufacturing here is really cheap. And then, you know, pretty much everything is, right? So once you're a little bit tied up, they'll get you, right? That's like the carrot, right? Where it's being dangling in front of your, your face because once you're there, you're not very difficult to leave kind of thing. Um, and and there's a, there is a significant amount of money to be made inside those areas. It's just people don't have that perception that there is, right? They're just assuming that people don't, you know, don't have the means to pay the rent or, or don't have the means to, to, to afford what that's necessary to be, to be living there. But the reality of it is uh, Addis Ababa is a very multicultural place and destination, right? So it's, it's slowly turning into a jewel of, of East Africa, right? So it, it is something that most people should look at. Like I say, if, yeah. you're, if you're planning on looking for good, solid numbers, right, and you're okay with the learning curve, and I don't understand it, like people, like investors will look at Belize, well, they'll look at like Colombia or they'll look at like these nice vacation rentals. And like if something goes wrong, you know, your plane flight is going to be two or three hours. doesn't make a much difference if it's 10. doesn't, right? And you have better numbers in Africa. You have, you have a lot better ones, right? And they're more, very much more willing and happy to hold that money for you, 
right? And and guarantee things, and your your money's worth significantly much more over there. And you know the menial cost of like live quite comfortably inside Ethiopia for a thousand dollars a month. Like just the cost of living is significantly less. So, it sounds just like that extra level of education, and you know it, it's the entrepreneurial way to be able to go against the grain. And sounding like Ethiopia would be an ideal situation instead of going for those popular places that are going to be high price, lots of competition because they've been packaged that way. But uh, yeah, that's really interesting. So what kind of properties are you investing in? Are you doing land development out there or are you buying multifamilies? Can you talk a little bit about that? Do you have a message that you would like to reach a captive audience of thousands of real estate investing focused people with? Then you should be sponsoring the Right Club podcast. We currently have some pre-roll and mid-roll spots on our weekly podcast, which is consistently in the top 100 Canadian podcasts for business and investing, and in the top 1.5% of all podcasts globally, according to Listen Notes. Our audience wants to hear from you. Edison Research found that 67% of podcast listeners enjoy hearing the ads compared with just 6% for TV and radio. The WARC report said that 78% of listeners are comfortable with hearing ads on podcasts to support non-paid content. To find out more about availability and pricing, get in touch with Catherine Nelson-Riley, Operations Manager at Catherine at therightclub.com. So a mixture? A mixture? Yeah, I do have to say there's, there's another partner on some of these properties as well. There's a few. Uh, there's agriculture, so there's a lot of farmland, like wrapped up in there because agriculture is very cheap, right? And then just mostly apartment blocks, and then duplexes and triplexes and that type of thing, all within the same cylindrical area. So it's it's right. uh, it's it's very uh, I don't have all my eggs in one basket. Is what I'm trying to say, right? Diversified. Uh, yeah. For sorry, yes, yeah, diversified because. Like agriculture is very, it's very cheap over there. It's very, very cheap. And like, I don't know thing about farming, but the reality of it is, is just if you have your own sort of property, you need to know a little bit about it, right? Um, and the again, like I said, the cost of labor is very, very, very cheap, right? So there's a lot of different things that you can do over there. And there's a, there's a pretty staple sort of um, uh, textiles that are going down there as well, and staple crops that they're using. And, you know, you can, lease a pro like a, a large swath of land uh, for very very minimal amount like i saw a listing a few days ago uh and it was about 300 acres and the amount of uh leasing for the i think it was like they were asking for something like three thousand dollars a month for 300 acres of agricultural okay. land and talk a little bit about the leasing because when you mentioned that earlier i i had some questions on that so what um you know, what are the pros and cons to leasing land? Is there anything that can be done without your permission? Is there risk that you could lose that that lease? Like, how does that work? Or is it just a, an extra payment, essentially, that you're worried about? So it's, and that's the, like, this thing is the big thing that will kill off most investors, right? Because they don't like the concept. They just don't. Uh, but it's a concept that m most places in the world work off of. Right, most African countries. I know China. That's the only way you invest in real estate. You cannot own land. The concept does not exist like that. It's, that's a very Western sort of thing. It's you lease the land for a hundred years, right, and then 
99.999% of the time you're allowed to renew, right? And it's not for the full purchase prices like you did previously. So, you know, the, the, these things are, are things that there's a lot of trust that's inside that system, right? It's like trying to say that you're going to go from capitalist to communist kind of thing. Uh, there is uh, there's a lot of trust based on that system. So will I say the government has been reneging on those leases? For the, the vast majority of outside investors, they've stayed very, 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 very stable, right? It's because the just the significant amount of questions that would happen and, and concern if those leases were basically removed or drawn out or destroyed or whatever it was, you, you would see everyone walk away from the, the country quite quickly. Right. And that's the same principle in Hong Kong and Shanghai and all the places as well. So those leases are for a significant term. Okay. And it's it's just directly with the government. And it does last for a significant um, And uh, I, I know a lot of the, the outside Chinese buyers will have 200, 300 year leases around there. Okay. So, it gives you a little bit of reassurance for the, the 100 years at least that you can. Uh, yeah. Sleep yeah. Easy, I, mean, I mean, like if your corporation lasts 100 years, 10 out of 10, right? And it's like, let's hope your profit's still there, right? Uh, but I mean, like, if you're, if you're dead, right, and you're, you're, your family members will to the next thing, and that, that makes a lot more sense, right? But uh, uh, it's, it's just a concept that most investors don't particularly like because they have the ownership of, this is mine, I've bought this thing, and it's very easy to understand. I bought the thing, you gave me the thing, I will keep the thing, and then that's it, right? But inside most other places, primarily com- uh, countries that were communist, moved over to capitalist, like these concepts are still kind of, they're still rooted on. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the the biggest challenges that you faced investing outside the country in Ethiopia and anywhere else that you've invested really? Uh, mainly speaking is because I still have to get over that hump of like, am I actually going to get my money back? <laughs> like, you know, it's just going to like burn into the wind kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I do get a lot of jokes because you know, I don't know the language. I don't know the culture. I, I know nothing, right? I'm very westernized. Like, I, I don't have any, like, real concept. My mother speaks Oromo. My dad speaks Amharic, but I don't know either of them. My brother knows more than I do. Uh, so I, I have very much little understanding of, like, what the subtext of conversations are. Uh, but people sort of expect me. People just sort of start talking. As if I, I understand what's going on, I just nod. Uh-huh, yeah, okay. But my, my idea is, just as much as you, Victoria. Like I have no clue what they're saying or what they're asking. And I just like nod. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, of course. So th- there's a lot of that. There's a lot of expectations that people have uh, of me sometimes. Of you know, like I have a, an idea of what I'm, uh, you know, what I'm I'm doing with the culture and that kind of. And then the big thing as well is like I, you know, as of right now, I know there's some political sort of instability in Ethiopia, which. You know, people are, are talking about basketball years, but it's it's always had you know pol- political issues. Ethiopians love politics and talking about it so much, kind of like Italians, right? So the Italians, when they went down there and back in the war, there's still a lot of places in Eritrea and the northern uh, Ethiopia that still spark a lot of debate, right? Uh, and it's very, very much a pastime for uh, for people to, to talk about, it, right? And people always ask me my consideration of what's going on there, which I I just don't much care for it too much, right? Uh, but politics always plays a role in what you're investing in, and the changes in government always have a have a implication of how you're going to invest and where you're going to invest, right? Uh, and and it's a it's a big thing. So that that is something that that is 
that is something that's going to be difficult to most investors, including myself, to get over, right? Like what the what the climate will be in the next twenty or thirty years. Um, but the one thing I can I can say, and I have a lot of confidence in, is just the the growth of the industry and the growth of the country has been exponential year over year over year. And the big thing I always tell everyone: don't do it yourself. Just look what somebody else has done, right? Don't take your own concepts. Don't you know? Don't try to remake the wheel, kind of thing. A lot of people are investing in Ethiopia, which drew me over to it, right? And it's primarily it's foreign Chinese buyers. That's bulk of where the money, this money is coming from. It's from there, and they're building significant developments, significant roads, significant uh, hydroelectric dams. Like a lot of that money's coming from there. So I, I just looked at it and went, okay, I'm maybe, maybe I don't have 150 million dollars, but let's see what where the where the the money is to be made on this because the numbers if they work they just work. Why do you care where it's going or what the what anything else is, right? Absolutely. And so, what is the future for you? Where do you see yourself in the next 10, 20 years? That's a good question. Um, I haven't much thought of it to be honest with you. When, when you mean like in the sense of an investment, or do you mean like professionally speaking, or what like the trajectory is? Uh, I mean, it's open-ended, but certainly from an investment perspective in Ethiopia, do you have plans to expand? Are you going to stay on the same trajectory that you're on? Are you investing in other areas that you are trying to get into those markets? Mm -hmm. Well, I have a colleague who does a lot of investing in Gaza, quite a significant amount. And all of you don't know what go like, oh, really? It's like, well, it's a very dense spot, very dense. And the only place you can go is up. Right, so you're having real estate boom quickly inside that area. So I have a colleague who does a lot of that out there. So I've been looking at that more and more as more work. My money should be going right. And then South Africa has always been a big place for vacation rentals, right? So I know short-term rentals here are now becoming a really big thing because people are trying to escape the RTA, right? So and it just the RTA doesn't exist out in South Africa, and the cost of living is so low. You can get a very nice place, an Airbnb, it that make a you know I have. Some Clients that have been making and reaping the benefit of, of going out into new markets, right? So there, there's a lot of there's a lot of that to be said. I think probably what I'll be doing in like the next ten or fifteen years is I'll probably just expand into Ethiopia. To be brutally honest with you, because it's just I can I can I don't have to deal with ten. Like if I invested here, I wouldn't have to be my own client, which is. If I don't send an N4 out or don't send something or don't do something, I would inherently be attached to the Residential Tendencies Act. And I'm not really interested in doing that these days, right? Because I, I just see the horror story so much. Um, <laughs> I, I know a lot of my, my clients are moving to Alberta, but then the laws are, are going to catch up over there too as, as things sort of progress inside Canada. So it's like, where am I, where am I going to get my most bang for my buck kind of thing? It's like, it, and I've seen the markets and it's like, if it's not going to be a vacation area, which I'm not really too much into, then I can only expand inside an area where the cost and, and, the, and the, the work is so cheap, labor is so cheap. So I, I don't know anything about manufacturing, but I can tell you, I'd find out very quickly if I had enough capital to do it. <laughs> yeah, there's good incentive right there. But uh, I suppose that is the hazards of being a, a paralegal, the job that you see all the horror stories and it just puts that in the forefront of your mind. and. Uh, the risk that would be involved sometimes, at least especially today being a landlord in Canada and Ontario specifically. Yeah, it's difficult. So that's why everyone's looking at for other options these days, right? It's like, uh, it's getting harder and harder, not getting easier and easier. 
So it's like, okay, if we're, if we're, I, I mean, some investors, uh, the, you know, the vast, vast majority, I would say of, uh, of liquid investors that have multiple holdings, let's say over five, let's say, I would say you're, you're in the top 1% of investors as is, as soon as you get five, right? And instead income, if you're, if you're owning a secondary property, you're already in the top 1%. As much, as much as I know my clients, some of my clients are living paycheck to paycheck because these are people that are, you know, retired in their 80s and they have an extra property that they bought 30, 40 years ago. And people have this expectation like they have a lot of money. But with, when it comes to net wealth, usually it's that. It's using the top 1%. But there's a big but here. You know, the situation for those individuals that are at the higher level, they can deal with the RTA. Like they're fine. Like they'll be okay, right? It's the new investors that are really try, having a difficulty in breaking into the market and finding the numbers they needed five years ago. This was five or six years ago. It would still be great for new investors, but now you're looking at people look at Alberta and Nova Scotia and all these other places because it's what's necessary because they can't pass the stress test. They can't do this. And the cost of living for themselves here in Hamilton has gone up, right? And here in Toronto, et cetera. So it's like, okay, where, where am I? Where am I going to get this to work? So Belize, all these other places. It's like what I would tell people is like, look at Africa. It's a very, very good and, and safe investment. It's like which country that you're moving in. South Africa is a great safe investment. It's a great safe investment. It's a lot of places in Morocco. It's just that you, you have to get over that hump. And the biggest thing is, I don't know the language. I don't know the culture. It's like, well, you don't have to. Let's be honest here, right? Like money talks. Like find someone that can assist you with it. You'll be okay. Like most people speak English in Ethiopia, anyways. You go to Saba, like it's like it's they speak. A lot of people speak English. Most government office speak English. So it's like, just get with the program. You'll be awkward, but you'll be fine. You'll be okay. I love that. Like it's it's overcoming the challenges. Yes, you're going to face challenges, but be resourceful. And at the end of the day, money speaks the same language anywhere. So that is a good tip. Well, this has been amazing. I think I could ask you a million more questions, but we are going to jump into the lightning round. And uh, Catherine is is here. So Catherine, do you want to start us off? I think I've talked quite a bit. Absolutely. And this has just been fascinating for me. Um, I, I'm on the newer end of investing. So knowing that with Ethiopia and the Gaza Strip and South Africa, um, it's uh, this is really uh, fascinating. And, and you've opened up a lot of... Um, uh, food for thought and possibility. So thank you. This is uh, this has been uh, really excellent. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Butler Mortgages, Canada's number one mortgage brokerage three years in a row. If you need a great mortgage broker to help you with investing in real estate or to help you purchase your next home, reach out to Daniel Patton and Michael Zanzini from Butler Mortgages. You can do that by calling 905-569-8326 or toll free at one 888 and check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. So into our lightning round, Andrew. So um, in, uh, in 30 seconds or less, what is the best advice you've ever received from another investor or at a networking event? Mm, best advice. Pretty sure he stole it from Yellowstone, so I don't know. So I got to know if it's legitimate or not. But he's, he was like, uh, 
being an investor is a hard life, but it's what's cut into you. And I'm like, oh. I'm pretty sure I saw Rip say that on, on Yellowstone. I was watching with my dad. I just recently picked it up. I was like, that's just very familiar, but I'm still going to use kind of <laughs> But it's, it's still good advice. still sound. Being an investor is very difficult. It's like, it's, it's not easy. It's like hard work is never easy on any capacity, right? It's just, it's, it's just hard work, right? Uh, and, and we'll reap the benefit of, of working hard over the next couple of years when we're 50 or 60. Right. People see the immediate and they're like, oh, I, I same thing. I did it, too, when I was young. Right. I, I saw investors going through the real estate office. Oh, I got to I got to try something. But once you're there, it's like you don't see you see the top areas. You see people vacationing in Belize every other year and, and doing all these other things. But you don't see like waking up at 6 a.m. and finishing at 12 p.m. Right. And it's like no sleep certain days and all that stuff. So it's like that was the best advice. It's like. This is a hard life. Don't don't let that fool you. It doesn't fall run away. The expression that uh, choose your hard comes to mind, right? Like yeah. hard to work hard, but it's also hard life if you take the easy road. And it just depends on like when that the hard times come. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great That's- answer. My question for you, Andrew, would be what is your most valuable favorite? resource and this could be like a networking event it could be a tool that you use a book that you've read but something that you think would really um help the audience licenses and languages like there's something there's something called the fleur method so i I love languages like i i I study mandarin french german uh like so i I, like i'm well i endeavor to be to learn more than seven or ten at one point in my life but learning language is the best thing there's a, a book. Um, oh, now it's like learn language in four days. I think that's what the the the. God, if you just Google it, it comes right up. And it was one of the first books I picked up on languages, and then I, I I've loved it ever since. I would I would say that that's one of the things I would I would take a look at. It's a small little blue book. It's like learn language in four days or something like that. And it's a, it's a national bestseller, but it's it's learning conversational languages very quickly. So I would recommend that every investor should know more than more than one. I like that. I think I can count to 10 in Mandarin and German. Yeah, son. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fun. <laughs> it's took... been a while. Yeah, I think my my accent might be off, but um, yeah, it's, it's a very unique answer. Interesting. Yeah, well, I'm African and I know conversational Mandarin, so it's, it catches people off guard usually when I can speak it. So it's 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 different, but it's fun. Like, I remember when I was learning it, because I took it in university for three years as well. And my my teacher told me I was the first African American she'd ever taught. I was like, "Oh, that's nice. It's okay. Very neat. All right. So it's good. Oh, yeah. It's neat, right? It's, learning language is great. It's fun too. That is awesome. Yeah. Very cool. There's a there's um kind of a thread that is full of um mystery and surprises, um Andrew that you have. So so what what are uh, seriously what are what are two or three fun facts about you that the normal person wouldn't know? Although we've learned a lot. Um, during this last uh, yeah few minutes, but what are some other fun facts that people wouldn't know about you? Back when I was in high school, I had an Olympic qualifying time in the in track and field. Back yeah, cool. I was very much considering doing that professionally, very much so. I was really good at it. Uh, and then second to that, uh, I know some people know this, but I'm still finishing up trying to transition to becoming a lawyer. Eventually, mm-hmm. I'll get that done, but it does take a significant period. 
And then finally, interesting fact, fact I will should probably ask my colleagues. <laughs> but uh, um, hey, Glenn, is there anything interesting about me that you know? Yeah, anything interesting about me? Yeah. No, it's just nothing. It's, it's nothing else interesting is what my colleague brings up to the table. Thank you. Uh, I, I would say my last, my last most interesting thing is, uh, it's just, it's actually the languages to be brutally honest with you. It's like, I really enjoy that. Um, and I would recommend anyone and everyone to sort of get into it. Cause, uh, you just learn one extra one. So extra have that. I would say have the immigrant mentality, just continue, just like continue at it and just break away, break away at it. And, you know, a lot of people move into the country and, and they, you know, if you're, if you're coming from Ethiopia, you know, Somali, you know, Amharic, you know, Onomo, you know, English, you like some, some of them speak French, but you need to know all these languages to communicate on a day-to-day basis. It's just here in Canada, you only know one. And it's like, well, come on, learn French, figure it out. You'll be okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. We will wrap up the lightning round with this final question. If you could go back in time and talk to your 18 year old self, what would you tell yourself? What advice would you give? What would you have done differently? Don't put so much stock in university. Mm. Learn. Figure that out. Learn more from people rather than that. I did four years in university, and I don't regret it because it still let me go into my professional field. A big thing, right? And a lot of people, a lot of kids and parents will ask me about, you know, what it's like working in the legal field and those other things. And the, and the big thing I always tell everyone is like, learn from people. Like I had the, the benefit of working in a brokerage that was growing very rapidly. And I can tell you working for Dan Corcoran at KW, working for Sandy McKay at the McKay team was way better than anything I ever learned in university. I can say that hands down. It was more applicable. I made more money. I actually learned how to feed myself and my family. And not only that, make investments and wise choices on how to sort of continue forward and be an entrepreneur. That is where I got that from from those people, right? But like, I know how to write really well from, you know, Grammarly, but apart from that, you know, my history degree didn't do much from, apart from that, apart from taking me forward into going to law, right? But it was, it was an opening tool. It did not teach me the critical thinking that I needed to have to be successful. It was inside my actual workspace. So I would, I would say, you know, hook yourself up with a, with someone like that. That'd be better. That hands-on experience. Yeah. Well, this has been eye-opening for me. Lots of good nuggets. I'm going to be digging into some uh, some interesting thoughts and uh, investing opportunities. So thank you very much, Andrew. And uh, yeah, we will wrap up the show and hope to have you on again sometime. Absolutely. And Andrew, where uh, where can people reach you? Where can our community reach reach you? Yeah, so you can reach us. Uh, we're actually moving at the moment. We're, like I, You can't notice it, but there's all these boxes behind you. I can't see it. But it's like literally, it's all right here. That's um, why you've blurred your background, right? Basically, right? There's like, there used to be like stuff on the wall. Now there's nothing. So like, eh, I should probably make a blur. Um, so you can reach us at our office at 289-339-1311. Uh, we're listed as Caveat LLP online. So you can just look us up on Google and uh, look us up on Facebook. We're moving over to 101 Hunter Street East in, in Hamilton. We're just formerly at 27 John, but we'll be transitioning there in the next couple of days. And yeah, you can reach us, uh, you can reach us at our, our line there. Absolutely. Well, this has been absolutely um, enlightening, eye-opening, and uh, really giving everybody some great food for thought. So Andrew, thank you so very much uh, for joining us. And uh, Victoria, it's always wonderful uh, to, to uh, have you a part of our co-hosting and, and your interview skills. So thank you so very much.
wow, what an awesome interview. I learned a lot. What was your biggest takeaway? You know what? I really liked the tip that he gave about the embassy, calling up the embassy, because I think it's so applicable for any new location that you want to invest in that's outside of Canada. And so I just thought that was genius. Absolutely. I, I agree with you on that. And the other one that really surprised me um, was what he was saying is that learn the languages, learn the different languages, uh, kind of get in there, do something different. And that traditionally um, formal education is so popular and it's being pushed, but he's suggesting the opposite. Get out there and get your boots on the ground. And that's where you'll find the most beneficial education, realistic education. Yeah, no, he came with a lot of good information, really um, outside the box type thinking and just things that will kind of plant seeds, I think, for the listeners to maybe start investigating in their own uh, investing strategies. You know, if, if they're hitting roadblocks here in Canada, there might be some other places to consider. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or in the rest of the world, you know, like he said, I mean, especially. Well, if the country is guaranteeing you back money on your investment, then it's more of a win-win. And I haven't heard of any other countries doing that as well. So that was really, uh, that was really quite something. Um, so thank you again so very much. It's been really fun co-hosting with you today, oh, Victoria. <laughs> and for all of you that are listening, you know, please uh, uh, drop a line um, um, on what it is that you that you liked, and make sure that you support us and our podcasts. and And uh, and if you're looking for a lot more information, if you're in the business of real estate investing, make sure that you head on over to our uh, www.therightclub.com, a fabulous resource with thousands and thousands of hours of free content for you to assist you and to research for those that are in the business of real estate investing. Thank you so very much. We'll, we'll uh, uh, again, and have yourself a great day, Victoria. Take care, Catherine. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is on helping all levels of real estate investors advance to the next level and help you customize your life. Be sure to tune in next week at rightclub.com slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you get a few seconds, please rate the podcast wherever you're listening. It helps the show get noticed by others like you. And we truly appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe.